This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. It's December, and even the diehards who get defensive when they think Christmas is crowding Thanksgiving have to give it up. It's officially the Christmas season, and there's a ton of new Christmas music worth paying attention to. Today I have two interviews. One with singer Judith Owen and comic actor satirist Harry Shearer, and one with actress Amy Carlson and guitarist Seth Jabor, who are two-thirds of Office Romance. Both have good stories, but before we get to them, we've got some cool new music to chew on. First up, Phoebe Bridger's cover of Merle Haggard's If We Make It Through December. Merle Haggard's version emphasizes the if in the title, as it presents a working stiff trying to do Christmas in financial hard times. It's not clear that they're going to make it in this version, and even less so in Bridger's. Nobody dies of too much happiness in Phoebe Bridger's songs, and during Christmas, she steers hard into the sad. Last year's Christmas song was bleak as well, and this time she sings If, as if the song is a prayer. That doesn't sound like much fun, but it's really compelling, and it's probably even more on point in December 2020 than it was when Haggard cut it in 1974. If you like it, I'll have a purchase link to the song in the show notes. Proceeds from sales go to the Los Angeles Downtown Women's Center. This then is Phoebe Bridger's version of If We Make It Through December. If we make it through December Everything's gonna be alright, I know It's the coldest time of winter And I shiver when I see the falling snow If we make it through December Got plans to be in a warmer town come summertime I'm also happy to recommend another bunch of Spotify singles. Spotify's been doing this for a few years now, commissioning songs by uh, emerging artists and established artists, and essentially creating Christmas compilations. You can search Spotify Singles Holiday Collection or go to the link in the show notes to find a batch of new Christmas songs by such artists as Black Puma, John Legend, Dashboard Confession, Jasmine Sullivan, Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, and more. Recently, I interviewed guitarist Patrick Droney, who did one of the Spotify singles this year. We'll get to that interview in a few weeks, but for now, here's his version of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You. Cheers. 
I recently got a press release from Yep Rock Records announcing new Christmas releases from their artists, many of which have already appeared on the 12 Songs of Christmas in the last few years. Josh Rouse was on 12 Songs last year, and he has a beautiful, breezy new arrangement for Angels We Have Heard on High. Eli Paperboy Reed remade Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You solidly in his R&B mode, and Nick Lowe returns to the Christmas music world with low straight jackets and a version of Winter Wonderland and Let It Snow. Last year, almost everybody I interviewed pointed to Lowe's Quality Street as the album that made them believe they could make a contemporary Christmas album that had integrity and reflected their point of view. I've yet to interview Lowe, but I've interviewed Lowe Straightjackets, Eddie Angel, about their Christmas albums and performing with Lowe. I'll put links to all those episodes and songs in the show notes. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but I also want to remind you to watch Bandcamp on Friday. Since coronavirus forced bands to stop playing and touring, Bandcamp.com has waived its fees on all sales on the first Friday of each month so that all the money goes to the artists. I'll be using this Friday to buy independent Christmas music, including Low and Low Straightjackets tracks, which are on Bandcamp. And if you're into Christmas music like I am, I hope you'll do the same and help some artists get paid. Here's a taste of Nick Low and Low Straightjackets' Winter Wonderland. Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away is the bluebird In his place is a new bird Tweeting a song as we stroll along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we will Now to Judith Owen and Harry Shearer. When I started writing about Christmas music in 2004, singer Judith Owen was one of my interview subjects, and we've reconnected many times since. She and her husband, Harry Shearer, have a place here in New Orleans, so we've touched base over the years on a variety of projects that she and or Harry have been working on, and we've talked about their yearly Christmas sing-along extravaganza. Years ago, they started having Christmas parties in Los Angeles with their musical and acting friends that inevitably turned into singing and performing. The next logical step was to take it to a stage and give it a name which they did for the first time in 2005 in Los Angeles when they staged Christmas Without Tears as a benefit for relief efforts for New Orleans following Hurricane Katrina. They've done events like this since in December's in cities across America and the UK with the same concept. Invite talented friends from each city to sing and play in an evening that covers a lot of holiday ground. Because of COVID-19, they've had to cancel this year's shows, but they have one live stream show scheduled for Friday, December 11th. We talk about this, but at the time, they were still working on the guest list. Now we know. A very virtual Christmas Without Tears will include performances by Richard Thompson, John Cleary, Julia Fordham, Steve Lukather with Ringo Starr, Topsy Chapman and Solid Harmony, Jeff Goldblum, the Stanton Moore Trio, Paul Schaefer, Chris Difford of Squeeze, Donald Fagan, and many more. 
it's nine ninety nine, and proceeds go to help musicians and the venues that present shows, National Independent Venue Association, Music Venue Trust, New Orleans Musicians Clinic, and Help Musicians. I'll link to the live stream in the show notes. Here we go then, Judith Owen and Harry Shearer. How long have y'all been doing your uh, your annual Christmas show? For be outside of your house, how long have you been doing it for audiences? It started two thousand and five because um, because it was always in our house as a as a party to cheer me up at Christmas time, where I'd, I'd start to feel very very depressed that I'm not that I'm not in bad weather, and so it began as a, a home thing. When when Katrina happened and when the flood hit. Uh, when New Orleans was flooded, we just happened to have been asked by um, the person that was booking, of all things, Walt Disney Concert Hall down in, in, in L.A., the incredible Frank Gehry building, uh, would we be interested in, um, she'd heard about the Christmas show, would be in, ever interested in putting it on the stage. I'd been um, guesting at a Keb Mo show and met her there, and she asked that question, and, and we didn't ever think of taking it outside of the house until this happened. And then we thought, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to raise money. This is the reason to do it, is to actually support New Orleans right now. And so that was uh, obviously December of 2005. And uh, we've been doing it, started that one, and then uh, added uh, New Orleans and uh, for a while New York. London. And London. Seattle. And Seattle for uh-huh. a little bit. Wow. Uh, every year? Chicago every year, yes. So for the last... So, so more or less for the last fifteen years, this has been a big part of your December. Yes. Yeah, it's been our December. Yeah. <laughs> so, w- what will what will come of it this year? Um. Well, there's no way that I cannot do it. Produce this. I mean, it's 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 a humongous thing to get together when it's when it's physical when it's actually in theaters. I can't imagine it can be any hard, bloody harder doing it. Um, in a virtual way, so that Harry's smirking at me now because he knows it's going to be a nightmare. But it'll be like herding cats, believe me. So I think what we're going to do... Herding virtual cats. Herding virtual cats. I like that. Virtual cats. Um, I think the idea... I just thought... I was going to originally, Alex, do one that was um, covered the best of the best from every part of the world. But then I thought, no, that's insane. That would be like a a nine-hour show. And it's bad enough as it is. So um, It's long enough enough as it is. It's ridiculous. So... um, we're going to do it. We're going to do it into territory by territory and do a virtual one. Harry and I will introduce and we'll and we'll put everything together. We'll introduce piece, you know, each each piece of each person, but we'll ask them to do their own thing in their own space. Send it to us and we'll put it all together. And still, I think this year, don't you agree, Harry? The thing to do is to try and raise money for for musicians and venues to keep them keep them open. I mean, I really do feel that that's one of the most important things right now is people keeping people going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, we know that the culinary culture is, is challenged by this stuff, but uh, a lot more places to eat are open and trying to figure out ways to serve than our musical venues, which yeah. are still, as far as we know, everywhere slammed shut. Yeah. Uh, and in this city, of course, there's this wonderful tradition of if the venues are shut, then we do it out in the porch or somebody's yard or something, and we keep the music going. But in a lot of cities, I don't think uh, they even have 
that as a culturally available option to them. So I, d I think in most, you're not going to see that. I mean, you're not going to see that in Chicago in the midwinter. Come on, we yeah. know how bad that is. Yeah. London will be rained out, so that's not going to happen, and it will be on its um, 15th circuit breaker, as they're now calling the, yeah. the, the um, lockdown. Um, it's just, I think right now it's important to give, give musicians a place to perform, but also it's important to raise people's... We're all struggling. Everybody, I mean, everybody is hurting, and it's a hard time to actually say to other people who are also struggling to pay the rent and do everything they need to do, hey, put your hands in your pockets and help these people. But, I mean, what would any of us do? What, what, would, what would life be without music and musicians, and particularly this city? How could we possibly cope without yeah. it? And, um, and, and venues and people are hurting. You know, the venue, these poor owners of venues, if you don't own the building, you're still paying the rent, you're still paying the mortgage. I don't even, I can't even imagine right now how bad this is for these people. So, um, so I, I think that's what it will be. The only sad thing this year, Alex, is that we won't actually be able to do the 12 days of Christmas because you can't do that for And let's be honest, how much fun do we have? I mean, I might have to ask people to, now I think I'll take a little piece of, of time during each show to talk directly to the audience. I think I have to and see how they're doing. And it maybe, is your way. Yeah, as is my way. And, and maybe they can send in photos or s send descriptions, virtual descriptions of what they're wearing and, and maybe virtual prizes, pretend prizes will be given again. I have to figure this out, like a virtual cat. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So for people who haven't, haven't been there, you do have to explain what happens during your version of the 12 Days of Christmas. Oh, um, well, some, many have copied. Never have. I don't believe uh, it's ever come close because you have to be a tossy, um, you know, like... Uh, British school mom. British school mom with a, a voice like this that can break glass. And I think, virtually, the idea came to me in Disney Hall 15 years ago when I thought how wonderful to get 2,000 people, you know, uh, 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 select the areas of, of the auditorium and, and, and break them up into 12 sections and have each of them chat amongst themselves and figure out how to do a physical version, a mime of their 12 days of Christmas. So their day. Their day, whether you're being a partridge in a pear tree and you're creating a pear tree, whether you're leaping off the balcony, they weren't very happy with us there. You can imagine, people nearly died. But I have many times nearly died, and I have to say, it is one of the most extraordinarily funny things. And nobody is, of course, what am I saying? Nobody is as depraved and fabulously um, kind of pseudo- Pseudo vulgar pornographic as the good people of New Orleans when they get to the eight maids of milking. That's all <laughs> I want. Men milking men. I've seen women milking women. I've seen families milking each other, mm -hmm. which is a lovely thing. And families. If they can do that, we yeah. can get through this. We can get it, through it. Mardi Gras teaches families how to work together. <laughs> <laughs> On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On, On the, the third, third day, day of Christmas, Christmas, my true love sent to me three French hens, two turtle doves, and, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me five gold five rings, golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens. Two turtle doves. The point of 
this show anyway is it's a party. It used to be in our house, but it's still a party. And you're meant to be acting as silly and foolishly and wonderfully as you want, because that's the point of it all. And we're all we're all together being being fools together. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a great community feeling. Well, and I think uh, you and I have obviously have talked about Christmas music before in the past. And I think one of the things that you've always focused on and that your show certainly brings out is the idea that Christmas is Christmas music is first and foremost a social experience. Yeah. It's an occasion for people to connect. Yeah. You want to talk a little about that? Well, being being brought up in a Welsh household, everything is an excuse to sing in three-part harmony. I mean, that's really what we do, you see. There it is. He's wearing ah, ah, ah. an anango. Um, and that is where can you get that from, Harry? That was on know. our that was on our um, that was on our drive through Wales. And uh, Harry's never heard so much spittle in a language in his. <laughs> so thank you. It's, it's like Sylvester the Cat, of a language. Yeah, you've got to be careful of that. The COVID it doesn't work that well there, does it? Um, so uh, 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 the Chris, Christmas music is built to be sung together in choir in harmony. It's built for harmonising these. I try to keep away from carols because ultimately they are our they are our folk songs. They really, really are. But you know, you can't not have Silent Night. You can't. You can't not have those kind of songs uh, uh, that are really, to me, old folk songs at this point. Uh, but everything that lends itself to that singing is so exquisite. And then you have the Great American Songbook. Well, a, I love the fact that they're all the songs written by Jew Jewish writers. That always makes me happy. But ultimately. We, we all know these songs. These are, again, these, these have become, you know, in our, they're in our DNA. We know these songs so well. And they're built for us to sing. And the whole point of Christmas, it's not about the toys and the crap and the rubbish you get and the stuff you forget the next day and eating too much. I actually do believe it's about community and bringing people together. Those are my happiest moments as a kid were singing these songs and, and feeling filled up by the music. And, and I do think, especially now, especially now, I think it's really important. Maybe that's what I'll do, Alex, is to still sing a couple of those songs and know that the people listening, watching are singing along too. I mean, I think that's the point. They may, they may be lagging behind, damn it. It's <laughs> the problem, but you still, I think people still want to sing together. How can you not? It makes us, it's like those, those balcony singers in Italy. There's a reason we sing together. It makes us feel complete and uh, and really connected to each other. Um, and God knows Christmas is a time of enormous disconnect. It's going to be a hard one this year for many, many people. It's me. I can't get home. I can't get to see my sister. I can't see my family. It's going to be really, really tough on an awful lot of people, and let alone, of course, financially and what it does to your head. So even more reason to do this. Uh, once again, it'll be it's all, it's also New Orleans with Mardi Gras. What other city, what other place puts on a party that, that isn't, doesn't have uh, advertising, isn't underwritten? It's purely a present, a gift, a lanyard, isn't it, mm. for, the, for, the, for the city? And I think, I think that's what this, this, this is and has to be. This is, our, this is Harry and my gift to the places that we, that we go to. I would think, actually, I mean, stop. I want to go back to a thought that was occurred to me while you were talking. When you write songs, when you write Christmas music, do yeah. you think about making them songs that people could sing along with? No, I wish um, I 
I, 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 uh, I haven't today. Oh, I, I take that back. People do actually, I hear them humming along to the dancing tree every year because it's become like my standard, as it were. So every time I start to sing it, it's about me as a child and like, it's about, you know, watching your, your mother dress the tree, decorate and being a kid with her and that delight, that utter delight in it. It's such a simple thing. And I do know that people want that song, wait for it, long to hear it. And I know that they, they're at the point where they can actually sing along with me, which is extraordinary. But, um, and I think The Best Things is one of those songs as well. It makes you sing. It has a sing-alongable quality to it. I don't do it on purpose. I think that's a bloody brilliant idea. I think I might have to do one and actually write a song which is totally, here, here's the chorus, everyone. Here we go. Hmm. Once a child and now a mother Christmas came with all its glee Tinsel topped and crystal covered She knelt to dress the dancing tree And gone were all her thoughts revealing Gone was all the drudgery All the worries she'd been weaving As she knelt to dress the dancing tree And she thought of the times When she was just a child And she helped the dress the tree and she thought with a smile how her words seemed so wise when she said you long for days like these through her dreams her sentence you know much as that I remember George Porter talking about that there was a time when there was a body of music that anybody who played in New Orleans, basically anybody who really was playing sort of R&B, jazz, funk in the South, they could play. And so if, they, if someone walked into the Dew Drop Inn, you had a body of material that anybody who walked in, the, walked in you could call someone up on the, uh, up on the bandstand and they'd have that, they, could all, they could join in. And it seems to me that Christmas music is maybe the last music that has that function in, 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 our, in, our, gener in our broader culture. Well, here's the bad news. Yeah. Uh, every year, uh, certain radio stations scrap their format and uh, convert to all Christmas music all the time. And they used to do it starting right after Thanksgiving. And then the ratings would be so fabulous, they decided now they start doing it right after Halloween. Oh and this year, the first radio station to flip to an all Christmas format did it the last week in September. Oh, Mercer, Pennsylvania. 
Z104. It always it always seems a shame that it that it comes and goes so quickly. But I think what that speaks to is an overall desire for familiarity in those songs that make us feel comfort and Music. make us feel good inside. M musical comfort food. It's comfort food for us, and it does calm us, and it has the most calming effect, and it's bloody wonderful. Until um, about the second month in, and then it's like, I will pay serious money. Well, they, because there's great Christmas songs and there's bloody awful Christmas songs. We know that. There's, yeah. They're gratuitously appalling songs and that don't get you in the mood. They just annoy, annoy the hell out of you. But I think it speaks, I really do think it speaks more of our desire to connect and, and, and feel like there's something, something that's consistent in our lives, that's a constant and that is, is, <laughs> is keeping us feel, feeling safe. Yeah, in, in a very an unsafe bizarre strange times that none of us have ever come across we're looking for the things that make us feel like it's 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 normal you know it's 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 it's, we're, it's still here we are it's still the norm you know it's still it's still okay and i think that's a big part of it i, I actually have a uh, an email in i'm trying to get the guy uh the program director so we can talk uh my guess is and i i remember in the spring that there was a point where STEM Station started to play a few hours of Christmas music wow. as a way of as a way of sort of doing something comforting during sort of COVID shutdown. Oh, you mean this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I wonder if this is an attempt to pick up on pick up on that and go to comfort music in yeah. a year that has been as challenging as this one's been. I, I think so, absolutely. And never forget, it's really about rating. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, sorry to spoil the party, but, you know. Well, no, what, I mean, nothing makes you feel, oh, let's be honest, nothing is as distracting and brings back all the, well, <clears throat> it could go two ways, of course, but, yeah, you come know. Come Santa Claus here, come Santa Claus. Oh, right boy. Right Santa Claus Lane. Oh, boy. <laughs> that one doesn't But, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're just, you're talking about the Great American Songbook. If you're talking about your Silent Nights and things like that, they fit, they make us feel filled up and complete. I, I I'm not at all surprised that people want to hear that music. I, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm doing I'm I'm doing a um, a, a, a street. I'm, I do a show twice a week, uh, a live show on on you know on Facebook and everywhere else for that matter. And I have to say, the songs that I play, they all love my 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 songs that are you know. I've written a lot about what's going on around us right now, but the ones that really hit home are the ones that make people feel that calm and that sense of uh, of, uh, of 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 quiet strength, because I think that's what everybody is lacking, and of course that's what music does. I mean, that's really what it does. But I've noticed that I'm noticing what people are are, are gravitating towards and what makes them feel healthier. Well, it's Christmas time, yes, it's come again And my heart will break as it must again Seeing all those faces from way back when So tonight I'll sing Silent Night for you Christmas Eve and my stomach 
chilling Waking up to my Christmas stocking Down the stairs and my family waiting there for me So I'll dress the tree and I'll light the bow Cause it makes me feel like you're with me now And the smile will soften this heavy brow And the dark Silent night Judith Owen has a couple of Christmas EPs, 2005's Christmas in July, and 2015's Christmas Without Tears, with excerpt from one of their live shows. Shearer recorded Christmas with the Devil, as Derek Smalls, as a member of Spinal Tap, and his most recent album, The Many Moods of Donald Trump, is a musical take on the president, though the title itself is a joke because, as Shearer says, he only has one mood. I interviewed Harry about that album for My Spilt Milk, and I'll link to that in the show notes. My second interview is with Office Romance, a trio made up of actress Amy Carlson and musicians Seth Jabor and Sid Butler, that so far have only got together to record Christmas music, including this season's Magic in the Air. The rest of the year, Jabor and Butler are part of the Late Night with Seth Meyers backing band, and Jabor talks about how that influenced the record. I learned about a Christmas song I hadn't heard while talking to Amy as she goes deep with some old-school Christmas compilation albums. Here we go with Seth and Amy of Office Romance. been like a super fan of Christmas music and I'm one of those people that just are annoying because once Thanksgiving stops ends I just put it on and I don't take it off and I have such a huge love of Christmas music that Sid is always like can we stop with the Christmas music and I'm like no why why would we want to do that uh so but that's always been uh, a passion of mine, which is kind of why uh, Seth and, and Sid and I came up with this idea like, well, let's, let's write some, why not? And, uh, and these guys are such phenomenal musicians that um, I'm just lucky they said yes. <laughs> <laughs> where did you, where, where were you as a, as a kid? What part of the I country? I grew up in the suburbs, where? In the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have do you have 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 songs that from that time that stand out to you? Things you remember specifically? Uh, yeah, there was these. Um, do you, I don't know if you remember those Firestone Christmas records? Do you remember those? Absolutely. I mean, come on, that's like the best. So uh, we had these those Firestone Christmas records, and also which for your listeners, if they don't know, those are they, you would get them with tires. If you would buy tires. So these, my parents had from growing up uh, and yeah, if you buy a set of tires at Christmas, you get a Firestone Christmas record. <laughs> I mean, that makes perfect sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> buy Absolutely. tires, get a Christmas record. Yeah. So, I mean, like Maurice Chevalier and, and all of those songs from there. And then the greatest songs at Christmas do you remember those records? Vaguely. Vaguely? Yeah. I'm going to pull those out in a second because I'm really bad with um, remembering names. 
Um, um, but Seth, you talk. Tell me about yours. Not we'll, we'll circle back when I get my brain on about that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I would say like mostly holiday music was on like um, from television shows. Mm-hmm. You know, and despite the fact that like my parents collected music and listened to music, I, I don't re- I don't really I don't have a memory of us like playing a lot of holiday music around the house. Like if Bob Dylan didn't make a Christmas record or Willie Nelson, <laughs> ah, then ah. it probably didn't get a lot of rotation. <laughs> that being said, uh, like all the old classic, um, like little claymation movies, mm-hmm. sure, you know, like Rudolph, Matt, like Silver and Gold. I think that was like Yukon Jack song. Mm-hmm. Like still, like one of my favorites. Um, so I probably absorbed most of my Christmas music through that, and then just being out in the world because I mean it's so ubiquitous around the holidays that. You know, it's like funny, like you ask a question like Christmas music. I don't know when I started hearing it. I think it, it's just it's always been in my world. Sure. You know, what I mean? um, not until I became older, not until I got married. My wife, her birthday falls in December. So getting a tree early on in the season and getting it up is something that she likes to do to sort of celebrate her birthday as well. And along with that goes, as Amy says, like almost nonstop Christmas music, basically from the beginning of December right through the season. Um and it's a lot more fun now as I'm older. That's something that her and I started enjoying as a, tr- a tradition together. And now that we have the kids, they're also a part of that too, you know. But it's great because, um, like, I don't have, like, what Amy said, I guess, like, who was, like, one of the big ones? Amy was, like, Bing Crosby and stuff. Bing like, Crosby, yeah. Uh, like, we have a lot of that in our playlist that get, that get put on heavy rotation around the holidays, um, you know. So this is like this to me is like the greatest one of the greatest albums. <laughs> <ever made. laughs> and Andy Williams, uh, there was a song Jolly Old Saint Nicholas. I mentioned Maurice Chevalier, so he sang this very heavy, uh, heavily accented French, uh, um, French accent of Jolly Old Saint Nicholas, which was Jolly Old Saint Nicholas, Lino is his way. Don't you tell a single soul yeah. what I'm going to say. Now I got a little German in there, but that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I remember at junior high standing up. I remember junior high getting on a um, a bookcase in the library and seeing that to my class. And I was shy, but the passion of that Marie Chevalier version and that accent just just overtook me, and I was, um, you know made bold by that. Jolly old Saint Nicholas, lean your ear this way. Don't you tell a single soul what I'm going to say. Christmas Eve is coming soon Now you dear old man Whisper what you'll bring to me Tell me if you can When the clock is striking twelve When I'm fast asleep Down the chimney broad and black But yeah, I mean, like Doris Day singing Silver Bells I mean, Dinah Shore, I mean come on these people like you can't these are like the the, the most amazing this is the most amazing um yeah but andy williams and then you know you have uh, for oh holy night that's a beautiful one but then also celine dion she really 
she belted one out that was incredible also. Oh, holy night. We, uh, last season, I ended up, I talked to a local indie rock musician about, just whacked my, my, my microphone, about those kinds of, um, uh, of compilations and that he was talking about how like this was absolutely central to his family's Christmas. And it wasn't Firestone, but it was another of that similar kind of compilation. And it had uh, Harry Belafonte and uh, Ed Ames with um, oh, the, uh, the Christmas Donkey. And it was, just, you know, this, but for so many people, that was the way their Christmas kind of worked, that it was like, this sort of compilation that was a little bit of everything and a little bit of like light orchestra or light classical. And it was serious. And there was something in there that was specifically for the kids and that kind. And it's interesting to think about now how much those shaped people's ideas about music. And you think about the idea that how many people really how you know when they went through their teenage or you know early you know early 20 years how much they were focused on kind of one or two kinds of music but where christmas is concerned you're suddenly become you know have massively wide tastes because you have these these records to some extent shaped your ideas about what christmas music sounded like mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and when we did when we were writing um this Christmas record, um, a lot, there's, we tried to put in a lot of um, homages to uh, Christmas songs that we knew growing up. I mean, there's even a moment in like um, Magic in the Air where I was like, look out, because there's this song, uh, uh, Slady Ride, where there's one that we're in there, she says like, look out! And me and my sisters were growing up, we would always make fun of that moment because it was just so dorky, but you know, you know what? But I wanted to put it in there because it's a complete reference to that that moment in that song. Alex, so only like the real affectionados will get it. Right now. This is the first time I'm I'm hearing this too. That's so great though because, uh, like I noticed that every time I listened to that song, and uh, I didn't know that there was such a backstory to it. Yeah, it's yeah. a reference. That is so cool. I love that. I think that's so neat. I almost wish you didn't tell us. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But only like super nerd, uh, super hardcore Christmas yeah. album nerds will do that. <laughs> And I, uh, I, I failed to mention this earlier, but um, I grew up going to church and I didn't realize that thinking about a lot as Amy started singing something was um, we probably, I probably know a lot of the, of like some of the, I guess, more Christian themed Christmas music, yeah. the whole thing is Christian themed really mm-hmm. when you think about it, but um, was from like uh, 
church services at Christmas and like singing from the hymnals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the, all those classics, and then they took them and and made them so like you're talking about those orchestral compilations, but <laughs> like yeah. for like a little town of Bethlehem. I mean, there's right. Um, a version like Perry Como, I think has a version of that. I'm trying to remember which is the version that I love so much, but Andy Williams does a version of it too. And probably Bing Crosby, but um, I'm trying to think of the one I like the best, but that's a tur- that's an old Christmas hymn right. that, you know, kind of turns into a pop song when you, you know, when you bring, bring it out at Christmas, depending on how you sing it. So yeah, I mean, those, those crossover, those hymns um, into into Christmas music. Was there a song that, as you became as you became older, that you you sort of honed in on and that made you appreciate Christmas music as music and as craft, and not simply as sort of a soundtrack to the season? I think the the George Michael. I forget was that Wham or was it just George? It was Michael? Wham. It was Wham. Yeah. It was Wham, but that George was, Michael played everything on it. He played okay. all the instruments. That, that song uh, kind of immediately came to my mind when I think about maybe the first time thinking about the craft of making mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. The Waitresses, Merry Christmas is another one uh, oh. that, that I really love. I think that for my own sensibilities, I probably thought of that song a lot when we were writing some of the songs for Office Romance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like, like I like pop music and I liked how that was like this really cool Christmassy song. You know, I think the Kinks did a really good Christmas song about Santa Claus too. So, but yeah, it's probably not until I started analyzing it through the lens of like, I'm a music listener absorbing pop music and other types of music that I thought about the craft of going into it. It seems like a lot of the really traditional stuff. Um, it, it's almost like in my mind, it was just always there. I'm like, somebody made this. It just seems like it just, it exists. That's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the version of a little town of Bethlehem I'm thinking of is, um, Richard Tucker. I don't know it. Where it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, but I will check it out when we're finished. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think of a song like, uh, Sleigh ride and the many layers of that. Is it sleigh ride? Was it just hear those sleigh bells ringling, jing, jing, jingling? Too. Yeah. Um, that's a hard song to write when you think about. And I think a lot of these, um, are, to me, the ones, the new classics arrived sort of in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s. That And um, I don't know if it's just time of playing them over and over again, uh, but and also those classic voices, but they, I think that they gave a lot more respect and care to, um, to the, you know, they were more forgiving and less judgmental is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think a lot of people these days have tried to break through. I and mean, when you look, there's so many pop artists that have tried to break into that um, Christmas music scene. And it's hard. It's harder than it looks to write, um, Christmas songs that break into like that that um, locked box of what are the classic Christmas yeah. carols, which is a uh, and when they do break through, it's like to 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 their credit that they've done so. I mean, I yeah. feel like that's uh, one of the reasons why Mariah Carey's song is uh, as you know, it's like it's so big, it's so popular. Um, it's like such an exclusive club that to be a yeah. member of it, it's yeah. you know, 
yeah. you have to really earn your way in there. Yeah, but I mean, lyrically, that song is really hard. That's a really challenging song. In what way? Uh, I'm just, it has a lot of lyric. It has a long, a <laughs> long, it's a long and not repetitive lyric because a lot of Christmas music, it just repeats or it's a hymn, so it's very simple. Um, but that, her song is very, I mean, Last Christmas is a very simple lyric. Right. But that, her, But her song is, it's got a long <laughs> lyric that doesn't repeat itself. So my hats off to the to to them for creating that song with so many layers. But some people have actually written about why it takes why it's so hard for songs to break in uh, to the sort of the Christmas canon. And part of the argument is is that nostalgia is so hardwired into right. yeah. uh, Christmas. And if you think about it, uh, last Christmas is eighty four. Uh, and um, all I want for Christmas is you is ninety four, so we're still wow. if we go to if we go to that we're still going more than twenty we're going back twenty five years right. to uh, go back to to Mariah. So the uh, so even the most recent songs to break in still broke in a quarter you know twenty five years ago. about writing Christmas songs, particularly thinking, first off, thinking lyrically, did you have kind of, is there a thread that holds them all together? That's kind of, that is a, some sort of through line for sort of the big picture of what an office romance Christmas uh, lyric is about? Well, what's, What's particular to this record and different from the EP that we released before um, was that we had written, um, the songs had all been recorded in 2019. And they were kind of waiting for me to write the lyrics. And then like the lockdown happened. And Sid looked at me and was like, "Well, we're not going anywhere, so let's uh, let's." So ah, 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 lyrics written, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I got to write ten holiday songs. How am I going to do that?" But for me, it was became sort of like a little bit of solace because here we were locked down, and when I think about Christmas, I think about um, and Christmas music, I think of, about family and I think about getting together and I think about going out to the pubs and hanging out with my friends and, and, and I think about, 
um, shopping and just being with people. And the more I was, we were locked down, the more songs I had to write. So you'll find that there is a lot of songs in this particular record because it was written during the COVID lockdown that have this longing um, and feeling of wanting to be with other people or remembering what it was like to celebrate. And, and that really, I think, came through lyrically. And so if there's a theme, that would be the theme. Yeah. I'll tell you the one thing I was noticing, and I've been thinking about when you mentioned uh, the waitresses uh, a moment ago, Seth. The one yeah. thing I was thinking about is a sort of a conceptual shift between Christmas songs of, you know, of decades ago and Christmas songs more recently is that in some ways there are more Christmas songs are made for a very much an urban world and for kind of a, you know, a city, I mean, a, a, you know, a city dweller world and where you can, we're going to the pub. I mean, a sleigh ride means nothing to me. Uh, I have, you know, I, I have not, I have not been on a sleigh ride. I was going to say run DMC's, uh, you know, the Christmas in Hollis Queens. It's like, it's a perfect example of that. Yeah, exactly. And, and just think about, like, I realized, I talked actually with Chris Butler uh, about uh, the Waitress's Christmas song uh, a couple of seasons okay. ago. And one of the things we were talking about was that that was so much about adult, about, you know, young, about young adults having a, you know, a, you know, having their Christmas. And it wasn't about a family Christmas. It wasn't about kids. It wasn't about, you know, being out in the country and having snow drifts and things like that. It was about being in a place where you can run down to the corner store and buy cranberries, uh, cranberry sauce. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and, you know, when I think about those, about the classic songs, so many of them are not just from a world that I really don't know and have, you know, a technology I no longer know, but also you just think those experiences, the experiences of Jingle Bells. It's like, I have not been anywhere where I have had a horse with Jingle Bells pulling me anywhere. Then you haven't really lived. There, there. <laughs> I have to, I, this is the last episode of my podcast. If I can't connect to Jingle Bells, I'm out. <laughs> Amy, have you been, have you been on a, on a, on a, on a sleigh ride? No, never. Uh, I can see you and Sid doing that, honestly. Okay, maybe I have. Actually, I have. Yeah. I have. I have a lot of, uh, I have relatives in Iowa, and so, you know, this, and I've been, you know, but it doesn't snow like it used to. Thank you, global warming. That's why I love all the Christmas songs about snow, and we hope for snow, and it's like, you know, you cross your fingers. But, yeah, and also up in the Berkshires, there was one year where we went out, and we took a sleigh ride. So I actually have, it's not as fun as it sounds. It's really bumpy and cold and it's like, <laughs> but yeah actually i have done it. oh and i did it one year and i've done it i've done it a bunch i say no but actually no yeah i've done it tell me everything you want all you've longed for this year oh Dreams are coming true. You make me feel 
the first song uh for the album what was the first lyric you completed uh, which oh I, oh I think um it was the third song and I'm so bad with names uh Seth help me out with that what is the this the song uh the third I was, song this I was, the, I was thinking I thought it was like the Pogsy kind of one that, no, that lyric took a long time. That was really hard. It was uh, Christmas, you on my mind. Your love to my mind. Your love, what's it called? Okay. Your love on my mind? What? Your love to my mind. Your love to my mind. Thank you. I'm so bad. <laughs> it's funny, Alex, like this, the sequence of the songs on the, on the release versus the sequence of the songs created in the studio is so out of order in my mind. I know I remember spending a certain amount of time on, on certain songs. That's why I went to that one. But Your Love On My Mind, that was your first one, Amy? Yeah, because we kind of remember we wrote that, those lyrics sort of emerged in the studio last, yeah. uh, in this in 19, remember? So like we started sort of, and we actually had like a scratch lyricist sing on it in the studio. Oh, sure, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so that was like the first, uh, one where you know and they got tweaked and they de they developed and they it actually changed but uh uh yeah that was the first one that the lyrics were, were completed on and that was like a sort of a very sad that's a sad um you know there's like a lot of melancholy around the holidays and that one definitely is probably the most melancholy song on, on the album are you prone to being melancholy around the holidays there is some melancholy around the holidays, I think. And I think that, that there is a big chunk of holiday songs and Christmas songs that have melancholy. And I'm actually have always been drawn to those songs. Um, and there's some really happy songs too, like joyous songs. But uh, yeah, I mean, Oh Holy Night is like a, I think it's a really like touching, moving song. And yeah. I, you know, like that's a song that, that's a weeper. Um, so, and, and like, when you think about the Christian idea of Christmas, it's about like the birth of the religion. I mean, it's a very, like, um, you know, sacred and soulful time, but, uh, yeah. So Christmas songs sometimes can be melancholy and also like missing people who are there with you and who won't be there with you. I mean, that brings a lot of, uh, pe people, I think, I mean, people get depressed around the holidays because they feel yeah. melancholy. So makes sense. Wishing you by my side Cause there's nothing like the holidays To bring your love to my mind Every year at Christmas Seems my heart is open wide Cause there's nothing like the holidays To bring your love to my mind Realize I actually I, I want I want to keep digging on those songs a little bit, but I, before we do that, I realize I probably want to like go back to sort of the office uh, office romance project. Does this project just exist to sing Christmas music? 
thus far. (laughs) (laughs) Thus far, yeah. It's, uh, you know, we might move on to like um, Thanksgiving or Easter next, but I don't know. (laughs) So so how did it come about, the idea of having a group? Halloween is the best. Halloween would be good. Halloween would be the best. Yes. So how did it come around, the idea of having having a project dedicated to Christmas music? Well, Sid, who's wandering around in the background around here, uh, he and Seth are like this sort of, uh, they have this like magical duality um, in that they are just phenomenal songwriters. And, and, and Seth, who's right here, is like one of the most incredible guitarists on the planet. And he just like, I don't mean to be vulgar, but he just like, well, I was going to say he just farts melodies, but that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. Like he just like blinks and he's like, oh, I got a, I got a melody in my head. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like to have someone be that talented with writing. He's like, oh, let me just, let me, oh, here, how about this? And it's just like, oh my God, so many ideas. So naturally that has to be harnessed somehow. So Sid was like, well, let's, and he knows I love holidays. We wanted to do something together. And so he was like, why don't we write? I mean, it was just that easy. Why don't we just write write a Christmas record? And so then we did the three um, years ago. But then this time we only had three. We're like, well, let's do three more. But then like I was saying about Seth, like just, do you have ideas for some songs, guys? And it was just a plethora of music just poured out. And with Sid too, and then we had uh, Fraser Campbell, and just like so many, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, Seth, but like somehow them working on Seth Meyers, they became less precious with music. They were like, let's play a song that sounds like this or sounds like this, and they would just do it, and it just whatever felt good, and they were just so easy about it. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, like because of what Sid and I do for a job, what we do for a living, um, had really lent itself perfectly to working on a project like this. Uh, just in, in terms of like generating content very quickly, not overanalyzing everything, letting some things just kind of be, and then finding the ones that you, we were really kind of wanted to hone in on, and then developing those songs even further, you know. Um, but thanks yeah, for those ones. They had more. What's that? You guys had so many more. They had so many more. So yeah. we, like, we had to be like, well, well, this is kind of more of a straight up rock song. Let's, let's, not, let's not work with that one. Let's just, let's, you know, we had to pull them in. So we went from three to 10, but there was, they had even more that we could have like developed, but. Yeah, sorry. I think, that the, I, I think like the EP was, God, we probably struggled to come up with three. I think we had two and then there was a, a, a press, some, some pressure to, you know, add a third one in there to round out the EP. And I think this time around, we had a lot of ideas. And I think that's why we thought that, that aiming for more than just three or three to five songs was actually going to be a possibility. And, um, you know, we said, why don't we just go and, and run with it and make a full length. And the difference was in between the two records, they started working on Seth Meyers. Um, and during that time, like they just exercised their creativity of just, because they have to write original music every day by, you know, whatever, I don't know how many songs, Seth, so many. Yeah. So they just, 
free and they found they've found this place where they just have this freedom with their basically seven a day. Basic yelling out basically seven songs a day, fresh pieces of music. So running a record getting into the cake. So yeah, so right so he's saying writing a record. <laughs> <laughs> because they just they just write and write and write all day long. I mean it's incredible what, what they can do. I wanted to pick up that thought a little bit. So you're saying, because I want to make sure I, I get it right. So you're saying that just the experience of writing that much material has made you sort of, you know, made you less precious about it and that you're more likely to, if you like an idea enough to start it, you go ahead and, and figure out how to commit to it. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. You know. And we would say like they would say like, well, we like what we like. Um, let's do one that's. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but you guys say they'll they'll be there. They've gotten to the point where they're like, let's write something that feels like Bowie, or let's write something, and that actually, uh, or Tom Waits, and and actually the songs that we had the scratch um, uh, titles for some of the songs, which maybe contributes to why I can't remember the names of the songs, but the scratch titles would be like um, Untitled Tom Waits or Untitled, like the yeah. like song or whatever, because they just, they're like, let's drive towards that direction. And they, they just create a, along that road. It's amazing. Uh, when we did our first Office Romance EP, I was a very different musician, you know, in, in 2012, 2011, 2012. So, um, and, and as I think we all were, you know, so I think that like, of course, with this, this, this go around, uh, we came armed with like a lot more experience, a much greater understanding of, of musical genres in general, and I think a much greater appreciation for those those musical genres. You know, which really shows up in this one, where uh, the first time around, it it you know it was a little bit like how, how you know how do I make this not sound like my rock band's music, and whereas this time around, it was really like like I want it to be I want it to sound like a jazz song. I know how to write right into this pocket i want it to be like this kind of a music when we did like the kind of a pogsy one mm-hmm. you know we immediately kind of knew what it had to do in order to get that feeling across mm-hmm. it was funny i didn't i was wondering you know about like that was that pogues that was sort of a salute to the pogues was intentional and like and i assume also that the sort of the the sort of girl from ipanema like bossa nova track it was like those were your reference yeah. points as well. Yes. Yeah, like you know, maybe not specifically that one sure. song for the Barcelona one, but definitely like that genre. Again, like I just use that word, the feel. Sure. Yeah. Like, I like the feel of something and being like that. I feel like that would make good, for, which is really funny too because when you think about that song, is not a Christmas song. Right. It's you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, there's some references to like the you know the fire and being close and and it's like it's vaguely also dreams is not really a christmas song either but somehow that's the last song uh that was uh, that anyway (laughs) the post the the salute to the you know the nod the homage to the that was definitely intentional i mean because we were like that's an incredible song and and it's and we'll, we'll we'll never reach that, but let's just drive toward it yeah. <laughs> and do the best we can. Um, you know that song they really captured magic, uh, and so if we get any, anywhere near close to it, would be a miracle. So.
Reach for your neighbor, cause now he's your friend. Join hands, form a circle, the years found its end. Bells are ringing for Christmas Day. A few final notes on that conversation. After we finished, Amy Carlson wrote to tell me that she got the tire company wrong and that the great songs of Christmas came from Goodyear, not Firestone. Also, coincidentally, on the Saturday after we talked, I found that album that she talked about in a library sale for 25 cents. Carlson also said via email that the lookout that she throws into Magic in the Air is an homage to Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet's version of Sleigh Ride. Finally, Carlson is the guest that keeps on giving. She also sent along a Spotify playlist with some of her favorite Christmas songs, some of which we talked about and some of which we never mentioned. A lot of them you'll know, their favorites like David Bowie and Bing Crosby's Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy. But there's also some great stuff in there that you likely won't including Let It Snow by Connie Boswell, the Boswell Sisters, and Sugar and Booze by actress and Saturday Night Live alumnus Anna Gasteyer. If this is your first episode, I hope you'll subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. All of that helps others find us. And if you haven't done so, go back and check out some of the previous episodes. This season, I've had The Flaming Lips, Goo Goo Dolls, Jim Brickman, and Lowe. And in previous seasons, I've had good conversations with Isaac Hansen of Hansen, Scott McCoy of the Minus Five, and Robert Earl Keane, who we discovered grew up in the same neighborhood that I did when I lived in Houston as a kid. You can find me on Facebook at 12 Songs of Christmas, where I post Christmas music news, new songs, and videos. Thanks to AF the Naysayer for the theme music, and thanks to you for listening. We'll wrap up with one more from Judith Owen. Here she is with Julia Fordham, who will perform as a part of Virtual Christmas Without Tears on Friday, December 11th. Talk to you next week. Sad.